welcome to a new episode of the brand called you today i have a very very interesting guest who's well, maybe i can say a real estate baron uh, anshul jain welcome to the show thank you pleasure to be here anshul is uh, a masters in finance from delhi university he's an mba from imd switzerland he's a fellow of the royal institution of chartered surveyors and currently he's the country head and managing director of kushman and wakefield india Anshul, you spent two decades in real estate. Tell us a little bit about your early career, some of your learnings, and some of your challenges. So the way I got into real estate itself is is a is a funny story. It was um, a, a luck by chance, mm-hmm. I would say. Right. So I was uh, after my after I finished my masters in finance, I was working in uh, what was then called the merchant banking industry, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, within that industry i was interested to sell consumer goods at the time for the company that i was working in consumer product uh, ie fixed mm-hmm. deposits uh, as the firm was raising money uh, so i was actually doing door to door sales and i bumped into um, someone at a competitive firm uh, at the time um, and i was really knocked the door down to sell a fixed deposit product and mm-hmm. and before i knew he was selling a job to me um in the real estate services sector and this sector was very new in india I mean, almost no one knew about it and before before that time it was only real estate was really a mom and pop um broking game right uh, but you know what i was tired of running around delhi in the heat selling uh, fixed deposits and this seemed to be a nice environment and it, that was literally what did the trick for me and i said i'm just going to take this job it seemed interesting it was about professionalizing the real estate mm-hmm. sector mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what uh, my drivers were okay it's interesting and it gives me an interesting uh, a clean environment to work in uh, but little did i know what this industry would do mm-hmm. uh, to the sector this professional professionalization of sector and to careers mm-hmm. uh, and it's just been a phenomenal journey over 25 years amazing so before we get into uh, some of your work tell us a little bit about the kind of work Kushman and Wakefield does in India. So Kushman Wakefield uh, is an end-to-end real estate service provider. Um, so in in a value chain of uh, work, it you know you've got two major set of clients. So one one occupier set people companies who occupy a property, and the other is owner investor developer set people who build own uh, assets effectively. Uh, what we what we do is. give services to any of their requirements so if i talk about uh, for example the owner set will help raise money for them uh, through our um, real estate investment banking teams mm-hmm. uh, we will help them source land mm-hmm. uh, either through outright joint ventures joint developments uh, we'll help them construct the property mm-hmm. uh, so we've got project managers engineers who help them construct the property we'll help them sell or lease the property and then we'll help them manage the property to uh, international standards so, so let's say that's for the owner set uh, for the occupier set uh, we'll help them source the property we'll help uh, uh, them fit out do the inter- internal fit outs we'll help them manage wrapped around this whole thing is our consulting services um, to to do whether it's highest and best land use feasibility studies market reports um, uh, master plans for corporates uh, workplace strategies for corporates what kind of workspaces um is required depending on the businesses mm-hmm. so we do all that studies and of course strategic valuations okay. 
so that in a nutshell is the entire is the okay. gamut of uh, and you're not developers yourself no we we do not lend our balance sheet to anything so we are not developers we are pure service providers and again just for our for our listeners and understanding kushmu vehicle you say india so this is obviously a global company correct um, so, so much like it's principle. the easiest thing for me to draw parallels on is the big four of the accounting um, firms effectively so like there's big four in that realm in the real estate realm there is um, so called big 3 okay. at the moment of perhaps big 4 uh, globally uh, and one of that is is us so kushman vehicles position globally is one of the top 3 uh, firms uh, we are a young listed firm we got listed on new york stock exchange uh, august of last year okay. um, we went through a series of mna before that uh, where number of uh, companies in us uh, europe uh, and asia kind of came together to form what today is kushman vehicles and you know you just mentioned that when you came into the business it was fairly disorganized in the last two decades with the entry of firms like yours what has changed in the way this business is being done i think the commercial office side has changed significantly both um, in how uh, the offices are delivered uh, how the offices are maintained yeah. and how transactions are done effectively so today Uh, i think in this sector at least 70 to 80% of the transactions are mediated by uh, an international provider or a professional player mm-hmm. uh, in this sector uh, the mediation is uh, i'd say advisory business really because it's no longer a broking business where uh, i show you mr x the space uh, and then i sit back i help a little bit in negotiation and the deal is done that's traditional broking okay. uh, today it's really end to end right when, when corporate is looking at a space they they're worried about Uh, employee mobility they were worried about uh, how they were to attract people uh, into the new office mm-hmm. and what effect will that have uh, they are worried about uh, the design of the office mm-hmm. uh, and how the design is going to respond to the business base whether a design can be accommodated in the shape of of the floor plates there could be and then of course there's whole contractual and legal angle um, protecting the company's risk management so it's a whole bouquet of services that gets offered uh, so that's how i suppose the real estate broking industry has been sort of professionalized if i talk about the industry itself um, uh, the quality of buildings mm-hmm. that 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 you were saying um, uh, in the early 2000s there were first generation uh, commercial buildings retail buildings mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, condominiums right but as uh, the demands for the clients in the corporate sector has matured uh, the, uh, the uh, that's on one side and the on the supply side the ownership has matured with lot more global institutions now owning office buildings here in india uh, you know so both those factors have combined uh, have, have come together to create uh, a pretty high quality office environment so every new building that's coming up uh, is actually bigger and better and, and from an environment perspective uh, than the previous one uh, that's on the resident uh, on the office side if you look at the residential side Uh, it's pretty much same dynamics as as the indians are uh, traveling around the world they experiencing better quality residential uh, as uh, indians are getting wealthier in india uh, the demand is for better quality condominiums right and and against the same story that's forcing the market to innovate change quality design of the condominiums that are being delivered today versus mm-hmm. what are being what were being delivered first generation 20 years ago oh, yeah. is very different 
Uh, and the same story really continues. I mean, in, in retail, you've seen that story, uh, first generation retail versus what's today. It's all driven by uh, how consumers are thinking uh, and the global institutions which are coming in and the global institutions also forcing then the thought process of large Indian players to change. Okay. It's an interesting dynamic which has developed in the market, which is changing the entire market at a very fast pace. So if I want to, if I'm say a big developer, and I say I'm going to put a million square feet of commercial or residential, would I come to you and say, help me conceptualize it, and then later on help me sell it? Yes. Would that have the relation to put it over? Yes, yes, absolutely. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll start even earlier to say, uh, we, we might bring a piece of land to you, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Developer, okay. because we think this piece of land is, uh, you know, is, is for sale and uh, it could be, uh, the location is good. So we'll convince you and the location, we'll do the studies around, uh, the market studies around it to, to give you a feasibility to create a business plan for you. So we can start as early as that. Now it depends on the maturity of the developer and where they are in their particular uh, cycle. But we can start with you with a pen and paper. Okay. Uh, and and continue to work with you once it's delivered in the whole value chain that I explained, maintaining the building um, for the long run and then helping you exit mm-hmm. as well at some stage. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, you mentioned you worked in Singapore. I've lived in Singapore for many years. And if you look at the story of the Asian tigers, they built their economies on real estate boom. And then there was a bust. Yeah. Do you see something similar that is happening or has happened in India with a huge boom and now a slowdown? Yeah, so uh, it's interesting you mentioned about Asian Tiger and the uh, you're all aware of the Tiger economies and how they collapsed and interestingly I lived through that because I was in Indonesia, living in Indonesia at the time uh, in 97 when the the collapse happened and I think there's a fundamental difference between the two. Uh, I mean there's probably some similarities Mm -hmm. but fundamental difference really was uh, those economies were uh, way too over leveraged. and uh, there's a combination of over leverage, combination of corruption uh, and flight of capital okay. uh, because it is fully convertible currency. So as soon as the markets got spooked, the money went out and, and the economies, some of those economies still haven't recovered to their potential what they were in 1997. Yeah. I think the India story is uh, uh, perhaps uh, slightly different uh, because I think fundamentally uh, the demand still pretty strong and the country is getting wealthier mm-hmm. uh, from a GDP perspective and, and that's that's real growth as opposed to an over leveraged uh, consumer led growth right uh, so that's that's really on one side so demands pretty strong uh, on the consumer side um, uh, at, on, in balance right so you'll have one or two years which is kind of mm-hmm. bad etc and then on the other side um, because of the talent pool that's available in India which I think was a big difference uh, between uh, Asian economies okay. at that time or tiger economies at that time in India the talent pool that's available in India is very suitable to what the global corporates are looking for, right? So, uh, for example, the commercial office is really built on back of uh, outsourcing business, right? Uh, and uh, the outsourcing business itself has evolved many folds over years. Um, so, the initial outsourcing was really call centers, right? Back in 2003, 4, 5, then the simple processes. Uh, and that continued to evolve and, and today... Um, we doing a lot more value-added work, artificial intelligence, cloud computing, data security, uh, work in fintech, fintech, health tech, mm-hmm. uh, and so on and so forth, right? So, and, and that kind of itself uh, 
demands skills and employment of its kind of own kind right so so i think there's a fundamental support to the economy through the skill sets that are available yeah. in india the, the companies who are willing to invest mm-hmm. uh, the fdi is on the up um, and uh, uh, the inflation is in control so you know you, your macroeconomic factors are broadly fine sure we're going through a slowdown so, yeah. and slowdown is not necessarily bad it's always time uh, course correct which the companies should take to course correct and say hey now is an opportunity to cut a bit of flab and, mm. and and figure out and you know wait and think how you know and get ready for the mm. next kind of thing so i think so, you know you spoke about leveraging and i was just thinking you know i'm i'm much older but i remember when i first bought my house in hyderabad when we used to work for itc and we were given loans to buy even then the mindset of the indian used to be that i will buy my house when i have most of the money i will not take loans yeah today everyone seems to be functioning on what i call an emi generation yeah how is that going to impact uh, house purchase i mean you know everyone wants to buy a house yeah. um, clearly uh, that's the cash flow you know as the markets mature as the finances mature the financial markets mature right the products become available right so so you know back in 90s uh, you could get Uh, leverage maybe two x of your mm. uh, kind of um, mm. uh, you know annual salary, uh, then it became three four x probably four five x mm. right now. Right, mm. uh, I think the uh, so therefore the ability to buy a house becomes better. Um, I think the generation today and how the consumer markets behave today, they're much more uh, amenable to take a loan. So that's a definite factor. But I think more importantly than that, what's happening. today is uh, what i call uberization mm. of residential real estate yeah. um says so interesting i was talking to a mortgage provider and he said uh, in 70s or 80s average purchasing uh, age of house uh, well average age which is buying house uh, houses were about 50 mm. it kind of dropped all the way down to 30 31 and now it's on the rise again mm. uh, and it's on the rise because people are marrying late uh, so it's not about affordability no, no. because the emis can create affordability yeah. but people are marrying late they're mobile they don't know where they will be and it just seems to be a big commitment to yeah. make right uh, uh, yeah and in a market where houses are not doubling themselves mm-hmm. in prices every two years which they should not mm-hmm. but there was a period where you yeah. know that that was really happening yeah. um, so i think if you put all of that together uh, uh, you know i think the propensity of buying house uh, will remain low uh, even though mortgage products are available and, and the emis are available right and that and that in itself is not necessarily a bad thing mm. uh, i think the, the the industry has to figure out a way to meet the rental demand as opposed to Correct. a sale demand uh, and yeah. yet the salary multiple yeah. of an individual or a couple salary to the purchase price of a house is significantly higher in our country as yeah. compared to say the western world or the far east uh, no no that may not be, may not the, be true. that that okay. that may not be true because uh, you know post so up until the credit crisis uh, of uh, 2007 uh, gfc effectively up until that time uh, you know in the uk uh, and i was living in the uk you could get uh, 5x uh, to 6x okay. of your annual income yeah. uh, but the products were a lot more mature because uh, you had 25 30 year payment period as opposed to 15 to 20 that's available then in india the interest rates were a lot lower uh, so your affordability was was much higher 
uh, and of course you could get away in those days with 100% loan to value right. where you have 110% right. loan to value right. right which obviously ultimately led to uh, the, the the drop in that market mm. but even today uh, i think they have course corrected and uh, what's happened is uh, perhaps uh, you can get 70 80% loan to value which india is always kind of stuck yeah. to uh, and uh, your sort of uh, multiples have come down but they're still better mm. than india Uh, primarily because they're lower interest rate environment and markets are mature enough to give longer loans mm. so so that's that's really what's happening okay. and yet the converse you spoke about uberization of real estate i was reading an article somewhere and young people the millennials are now don't want to buy real estate um, you know they just want to rent yeah. partly because you know they don't want to uh, anchor down in one place with yeah. property and partly because the rental yield is never high enough yeah. what will that do to real estate so uh, the good part is they are becoming more financial savvy uh, from that calculation True. perspective i still think that once people decide to settle down uh, it's it's nice to uh, at least have one asset because yeah. ultimately it's a long term asset yeah. and it can't be weighed in terms of uh, am i making uh, 20% per annum return on that etc real estate in long term will never give you mm-hmm. that those kind of returns but i think uh, so therefore i would certainly think that you know people should buy one asset at some stage uh, what that stage is depends on 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 their own um, life uh, but i also think with the uberization uh, we use that term again mm. uh, the developers and the market has to change and create rental housing right i think fundamentally the market has not understood right now how to make money in rental housing given the yields are so low right, right. Uh, but if you look at the newer concepts which is student housing or uh, co-living uh, they're beginning to create uh, a lot of investment coming in into india in in that field and there is a way that they are making money right and i think that needs to translate not just for co-living but really translated into ma- massive rental housing projects mm-hmm. uh, where uh, you know you've got a bundle in services and figure out a different mechanism uh, to make money in the long run mm. uh, with possible exits uh, for residential REITs at some point in time so you have to look at it holistically rather than a traditional business model of say mm. i make a plan i sell it first and because that model is not coming back correct correct that's true in fact interesting you're saying that now co-living is coming but few years ago i was talking to someone in the co-working space and i said are you going to next come in with uh slightly fancier hostels yeah uh, for couples yeah. and yeah. it's no no that can never happen so and it's happening now is it very interesting very interesting traditionally uh, in india and china the uh, grandmothers always used to say golden land which is also zar and zameen yeah. uh, should always be a part of our yeah. portfolio yeah. today land and gold are not so attractive any longer yeah. what are your thoughts on this see if you I, mean, i would agree very much to that traditional thought process because i i think allocation of um, uh, your financial allocation in how you're investing becomes extremely important right uh, and what happened uh, back in 2005 6 was because the real estate was giving such attractive return people were putting over leveraging to some extent and putting all their money in real estate right of course some people made money a lot of others burned their fingers but every time in those days the examples were always of success examples right and nobody wanted to talk about 
people who didn't make much yeah. right. Come 2013, 14, 15, you know, every event or party that used to, one goes to, people talk about investing in startups, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And people always point out to the two successful startups and how that guy invested in that startup and made 10x in two years or three years. Yeah. You're not, no, nobody talks about the 98 people, 98 percent of the people who didn't who, make it, who didn't make it yeah. and have made a little bit of money, right? And I, and I think that's something to be said there in terms of uh, people wanting to just grow rich very quickly, sure. which, which never happens, right? Sure. And we, uh, we've grown up with those stories and plenty of examples, but it's hard to learn. So I think allocation, uh, a proper allocation, portfolio allocation is very important. And I think in that goal has a place it in that um, you know real estate has a place in that you know markets have a place whether you're bold enough to go to their equity or mutual funds is, is your call i think in that startups have a place so i think a balanced portfolio allocation is is you know it's, it's, it's age-old wisdom isn't it yes There's nothing new there that is true so one more question uh, on real estate before i move to some personal questions and i'm not sure if you can given your current position you can answer it but you know Property prices are, are soft these days. Yeah. We have thousands and thousands of young people who watch the show. Yeah. Is this a good time to buy? Yeah, if if there has to be a buying decision, it's a great time to buy. Okay. Right? But I think um, what one must look for is, uh, and I advise this, it's a, it's a funny advice, mm -hmm. uh, but trust me, I've seen people going wrong in this. Just Google and figure out the health of the developer. Number one, I, and all that information is out there. It's yes. public information. That's number one, and you'll be amazed how many people don't Google, um, and, and you know they're still relying on ten-year-old brand image, right? So, so that's number one. Number two, uh, I think the advice would be to buy something which you're seeing immense activity on. Uh, so pay a little bit more by late stage, late stage construction. Of course, if it's complete, uh, buy complete. Um, so yes, as I said, I think uh, uh, in your portfolio, real estate is a must. Don't expect 10-12% uh, uh, return on it. Uh, you won't get it. Uh, you know, it probably real estate is meant as a good inflation hedge. Use it like that. True. Third, it gives you stability in your own life uh, to say at least I've got a chat the old Indian True. adage. True. Uh, and fourth, yes, it's a great time right now because uh, 2012 was the last high in terms of prices. Uh, the prices remained flat for three or four years, then they went backward uh, for the next three or four years. So you probably today um, uh, are able to get a unit uh, at maybe 15, 20% discount due to 2012 prices, which is, which is great. Uh, there's, you know, I'm not a soothsayer. I can't tell you that in two years' time, uh, the market will start improving, or one year's time, market will start improving. But market will improve at some stage, right? Uh, so as long as you're happy with a long-term growth of 7-8%, which any real estate will give you over a 15-20 year period, which is the most that you should expect from real estate, uh, you should just go for it. Fantastic. So I'm sure just moving to a few questions about you. What are the three adjectives that would describe you? That I think is a pretty difficult question. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think I'm... Uh, so one thing is uh, I've got this ability to remain calm. And, and uh, even when I get flustered, I do uh, 
get back mm -hmm. into my composure pretty quick. So, so I think maybe calmness and and I think the other is is uh, uh, I'd say a bit of a bull as well because okay. uh, I've got strength uh, in the head conviction if if I know uh, what uh, I need to do um, and I, I think really those two in my mind uh, really, it's kind of difficult to talk about yourself okay. the, <laughs> you know, three things that I do <laughs> okay so then let me ask you something different when was the last time you did something for the first time yes um, uh, so interestingly, and I don't know how long will I continue it, mm -hmm. uh, it's hard work, I tell you. But uh, just about a month ago, I said, I've, I've always had this thing of learning a music instrument. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was, I was just kind of thinking, what should I really learn? And, and I've, generally, my hand-eye coordination is, is pretty good because I've played for racket sports. I said, maybe drums is something that, that I, I uh, can try. So just about a month ago, I've kind of started... Um, learning drums. I've had a couple of classes. I don't know how long will I continue with this hard work. It's, uh, it it's just too much coordination just with the yeah. three things that I'm kind of coordinating with. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, but it, but it, it gives you a new height. It's uh, something challenging. Yes. It's, it's nice. Very interesting. Yeah. So my next question is the question I ask every single guest. Um, because a lot of people who hear us just assume that if you're a successful person, you don't have failures. Yeah. So my question to you is, what are your learnings from some of your failures? Yeah. You know, so as an individual, what I have learned over years, I mean, obviously there'll be failures, right? I mean, uh, when you're in school, you don't get into your coveted program. The MBA school you want, sometimes you don't get it. You get it next year, whatever it may be, the job that you want. But the thing is that you can't, in my mind, what I've learned over time is that as long as you're focused on the next thing, right? So, of course, if you failed, there's some learnings that come out of it. Maybe you didn't write the right essay. Maybe you had the wrong answer in the interview. In my mind, you can't control 100% of that, how, however much you prepare. Of course, preparation is important, however much. But I think the most important thing is to figure out what's next and just try and learn, draw a line, and just move forward. And, and I think that's something which I um, implement almost on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. So whether you call it um, learnings, uh, whether you call it uh, a success mantra, uh, I mean, that I think I just live by that. Just look for the next thing and just keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Do you have any regrets? You know, aspirationally, I wanted uh, to have a career in sports. Okay. Uh, perhaps playing tennis. Uh, uh, I think I was very good at playing tennis when I was in school, uh, but somewhere I just lost that. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, in, in in retrospect, you know, I don't know. It's hard work, right, to be a sports person and professional sports person, and the chances of success is is very low. But if you ask me, I mean, would I have wanted that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, was I that good? Probably not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also, I guess uh, at certain stage of life, for certainly for Indians. Who were coming out 15, 20 years ago, yeah. the environment was very different. And yeah. therefore, the first thing most parents taught them was get a degree, start working. Nokri, Nokri. Today's young people yeah. are very different. So, my last question to you, uh, and this is you know, uh, we've had a lot of very senior CEOs like yourself, and uh, a lot of young people aspirationally want to sit in corner office like all of you do 
would your what would your advice be to a young individual starting off in the corporate world and looking at the next 25 30 years yeah so i think the first few years is really about adding a lot of depth to your um, personality career mm. uh, and i'd call it technical skills i don't necessarily mean screwdrivers and wrenches mm. but it's technical skills in whichever area that you are in right um, so i think there's a lot of hard work um, uh, which is always obvious but you know it's a lot of depth that needs to be added right because that really makes you who you are uh, in the long run and expert in the industry and as we are kind of moving into and um, uh, you know the, how the world economy is moving uh, i think that expertise also helps uh, frees up a lot of time in terms of or gives you a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. right you can move around the world sure. as long as you've got that experience you can take that experience with you and go anywhere and second thing i always say uh, uh, to people at cushmans cushman and wakefield and and you know other people as well who ask for advice i think you should be very honest towards your career very honest mm-hmm. um you know and work for yourself uh, i mean be honest obviously you're working for a company but work for your career if you're working for your career i think the company that you're working for will benefit out of it in any case mm-hmm. right uh, and always see what you're learning and once your learning stops um and once your career progression stops maybe look for another mm-hmm. opportunity Uh, so I think those are two or three things that I just I, I often advise. Interesting, Anshul. Thank you very much. I'm sure the real estate business will continue to prosper under your able hand. But one of the things I'm going to look forward to hear you drumming. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's let's see if I can get to that stage where I can handle five or six instruments. Right. But I certainly want to do that. Thank you. Thank you again. All right. Thank you for listening to the Brand Called You podcast. Be sure to visit tbcy.in to join the conversation, access show notes and discover fantastic bonus content. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Simply search for the Brand Called You. Thank you and see you next week.